Dancer. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of I'm a Pole Dancer, a pole podcast by pole dancers for pole dancers and the curious. I am your host, Sari the Scary Fairy, and today I have the fantastic, fabulous Sir Manther with me. Hi. Hey. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? You know, I'm good. As, as good as you can be in the ends of this 2020 by the time we're recording this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Why don't you tell our audience who you are, anything that you want them to know. No need to be humble here. This is a perfectly fine, acceptable bragging place. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Um, so my name is Samantha and I am a drag king um, and a trans person. Um, I describe my gender in a couple different ways. Um, my favorite term is genderqueer, um, but I also um, identify myself as non-binary as sort of like a, um umbrella identity, like I'm a trans person who's not a man or a woman. Um, and I also identify as transmasculine, which I guess means that I'm moving towards masculinity in terms of um, the gender I was raised as versus the gender that I identify with. And I have also been pole dancing for about a year and a half. Awesome. Oh, thank you so much. And before we get into it, what are your preferred pronouns? Um, so I guess I have different pronouns in drag and out of drag. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm out of drag right now. So uh, they, them. Um, and my drag character is a guy. So when I'm in drag, he, him pronouns. Awesome. Thank you. Why don't you tell us how did how did you get started with pole? Where, where did that pole journey start? Yeah, so um, I live in a pretty small college town, and um, there were some people who opened a pole studio in 2018, and one of them was the sister of one of my friends, and I remember her telling me about it at a party, and I thought that was really cool and definitely something that I wanted to try, but I kind of didn't have the guts to try it out until, like, over a year after it opened, and um, I did gymnastics a long time ago and I really missed doing it and I kind of missed doing um a sport that was sort of about like can you do this trick rather than just like how fast can you get from one place to another mm-hmm. um I I've also been a runner and a swimmer and I was kind of missing the like the feeling and the challenge that gymnastics gave me but I'm 28 and I didn't think my knees could handle it yeah. anymore <laughs> um, so I thought pole dancing would be a, a cool way to get some of that, those same feelings about movement. Um, and I also like trying new things. And when I went, it was the summer and, um, things really slowed down in the summer here. So I was just, yeah, looking for something else to do. And I sort of felt like I already had that connection knowing one of the studio owners. Um, nice. and so I think, uh, June, 2019 was when I took my first class. Awesome. And today, the topic of the episode that we're going to be discussing is, I think, another really important topic, which is trans bodies and non-binary bodies in the pole dancing world and what that experience is like. Because I think it's really important to address that topic and what those experiences are like for those folks and what we can do as a community to just continue to make it more inclusive. Um, I love how this episode is coming at a time where I'm recording a bunch of like episodes that are all about different body types and things that are going on in the poll. It's so cool. So I I love how all this is coming to a head um, at the same time. So I guess let's start with your pole dancing and your gender experience. And please correct me if I ever say anything incorrectly or that might not be the correct term. I definitely want to do the best that I can and and do what makes you most comfortable and what's most correct for everyone um or for most people that it would apply to sorry my brain is all over the place today it's all good I appreciate it um so let's get started with your story specifically how how has your journey been with that gender exploration the trans experience along with pole yeah, absolutely. So I guess when I started um, pole dancing in 2019, I'd been out as trans for like um, like two years at that point. And um, I guess sort of just to just to describe what I looked like at that time, I look a little bit different now. I had very short hair. I think it was dyed like blue or something. Nice. And um, I have a lot of body hair. Um, 
which has taken me a lot of time to get to become personally comfortable with. And like at Mm -hmm. this point, I, I'm very okay with it, but I'm very aware of how other people are going to respond, especially in certain settings. And, um, so when I was showing up to full class, I didn't really know what to wear because I didn't realize at the time how important like skin was, but Mm. I guess I I knew enough to like not wear leggings. It was also like a hundred (laughs) degrees. So I, yeah, it gets really hot here in the summer. Um, so I went to my first class and I was like, I don't know what it's going to feel like in this environment, which seems like it's going to be very like woman and femme dominated Mm -hmm. and probably sort of like, um, I don't know, more more of like a a heterosexual space also, Mm -hmm. um, with just a certain idea of like how sex and gender work. And I am probably going to be confusing to some people. I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable. And so like, I'm really comfortable, like with being naked and with like being openly gender non-conforming, um, like part of my experience as a drag performer is just like how naked can I get on stage and yes. like the more naked I get the more fun it is um but I, I was like okay I know I'm comfortable with this but I don't want to make other people feel awkward sort of about my body or how to handle it so the first time I went to class I think I was wearing like bright orange running shorts and like a like a t-shirt um because I was like I don't know how naked I'm gonna have to get or what other people are gonna be comfortable with and um I think on the first day of class, I'm trying to remember what we learned. Uh, we learned two different types of grips um, for doing sort of upright spins, and one of them was called the buddy grip, and one of them the instructor called the titty grip because your arm goes across your titties. Uh-huh. And I was like, I don't know if she knows if I have titties or not. <laughs> um, okay. Oh. Like, that is another interesting point that you bring up there, and I actually talked yeah. about it in an episode way, way earlier on yeah, when the podcast first started with teaching pole and using language around certain body parts. Um, yeah. So, for example, like, yeah, saying, like, the titty grip, not everyone has titties, or what you refer to the situation down there, like when obviously there are moves that you know the instructor will have to refer to your crotch but you you don't want to say specifically what junk you have down there and you want to be as inclusive as possible um do you want to expand on that a little bit and what your experience has been with that yeah I guess um for them I think some of the times that I was in class um more gendered terms were used like I definitely heard like put your vagina on the pole and sometimes other people would say put put your bits on the pole <laughs> in reference to like the crotch area yeah and um yeah I I guess like nothing that was said really bothered me I was just like am I making people feel weird or uncomfortable by being here and being sort of ambiguous um and I guess in terms of, like, I, I guess ideally people would use gender-neutral terms, but sort of mm-hmm. at the time that I was starting, I was like, I'm a guest in this space, and I love that, like, women and femmes are centered, um, for the most part, in the pole world, because, like, with almost every other sport, it's like, there's the sport, and then the woman's version of the sport, which I think is, is really gross, like, basketball, and then women's basketball, and yeah. I kind of love that it's um, usually the reverse in pole dancing, and so... I didn't want to come in and be like super disruptive and be like, stop talking about women um, in the way that I might have in general, because I, I am involved with trans activism and other parts of my life. And um, I, I think that um, it's better for everyone to use gender neutral terms for the most part, but I wasn't coming in to the studio for the first time being like, I'm going to teach these people about like the most inclusive language. It was just like, no, I'm, I'm here to try this out. And um hopefully not feel really other just by being here right but at the same time studios really should in my personal opinion strive to have that gender neutral language that they use to make their students feel as included as possible Uh, as you were saying before you didn't want to make other people in your studio feel uncomfortable and, and that as an instructor makes my heart feel sad just because no student should ever feel like that in any class everyone should feel comfortable Granted, everyone's got different things that they're struggling with personally, but everyone should feel like they can be themselves in what should be a safe space. 
So what are some gender neutral terms, for example, that people that instructors can use in the studio space to help feed that inclusivity? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I should definitely say, like, I didn't feel unwelcome. I was just kind of nervous at the beginning about how oh. I was going to feel and how other people were going to feel like people were super accepting and inclusive and just really um, non bothered by the fact that my body looked different from other people's bodies. And that was amazing. Okay. And I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess just in terms of, of uh, how to refer to people's bodies, like, um, yeah, I, I guess instead of saying titties, I don't know. I love the word titties. But, it's but a it's, great it's word. Very inclusive. Um, <laughs> so just saying, like your chest, um, it, like your arm goes across your chest or whatever, um, and then yeah, I, I think I think just saying crotch is fine. There's there's some other terms that are like more fun, but are also gender neutral. Like I don't know, um, downstairs bits. Yeah, <laughs> my one of my friends. <laughs> Uh, or one of the instructors I know says they use your situation. Yeah. As <laughs> I think that's hysterical, but I love it because everyone's got a situation down there. Yeah. Um, I like teaching butt moves. Butts are all gendered, so. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't know, crotch goodies. I guess you don't want... <laughs> I, I don't know, I guess there's a line between, like, inclusive and inclusive but vulgar, and, and like, different people have different com- comfort yeah. levels. I guess it depends on the class you're teaching too, right? And like who's in there. I mean, like maybe for an exotic style class, I'd be a little bit more vulgar. But if I'm teaching like brand new people who've never pulled before and I'm like spewing out these like vulgar but gender neutral terms, that that might, (laughs) that might scare them a little bit. (laughs) So what what issues within the poll community have you noticed in regards to trans bodies and gender uh non non-binary bodies like what are some of the pain points that you've noticed in the community as a whole because there's the issue of in studio spaces that's just one component of it but then you have things like competitions and you have yeah. instagram and social media well instagram may not exist for pole dancers by the time yeah. this episode's released so who knows um yeah. do you want to elaborate on some of those pain points in the community yeah, for sure. So I guess first I want to um, sort of clarify that my experience is um, as somebody who showed up to pole with a gymnastics background in like, uh, I'm I'm white and I'm not visibly disabled and I'm relatively thin. So in most ways, my body looks like sort of like the dominant body that we see mm-hmm. in pole. Um, and I'm, I'm trans masculine rather than trans feminine, which is in many ways a different experience. Yes. Um, and I've, I've never done sex work. So that's sort of where I'm coming from. And so there's like, things that show up for trans people that I haven't necessarily experienced. But I guess, one of the things that I experienced is when I showed up, people didn't know what pronouns to use for me. Mm-hmm. And one instructor did ask, which was awesome. And some other people referred to me with she pronouns and some other people referred to me with he pronouns, which is like a little bit confusing because I'm like the same person in the same body and different people are getting such different impressions. And I'm just, I was sort of curious, like, was this their sort of unfiltered um, perception of me or were, did they make a, a decision like based on on what they thought I would appreciate the most. Um, and I, I guess I, I was ultimately able to talk to most of the people about like, Hey, these are the pronouns I'd prefer you use. Um, right. And so that, that went over pretty well, but I, I think that that was not a conversation that, um, the people in that space had necessarily had before. So I think I was kind of one of the first people who brought that up as a necessity. And I realized that can be a difficult conversation for people. So, mm-hmm. um, I think just sort of thinking about, it more intentionally like okay how can I um make it sort of a welcoming environment for students where I am comfortable introducing myself with pronouns or asking about pronouns as appropriate and if someone doesn't want to share that's fine but not like you wait until you see sort of like a a different look a quote-unquote different looking person and they're like oh no I have to ask them about pronouns but everybody else I can just assume so sort of making it as something that you learn about someone like their name um And practicing that in, like, lower-pressure situations, I think, can also be helpful so it doesn't feel as awkward. Yeah. So when, for example, if I were to come to my class and start teaching and say, Hey, everyone, I'm Sari. I'm your instructor. My pronouns are she and hers. And just leave it at that. Is is that something 
that would be a good starting point for a class to start on so that the instructor is just putting it out there like, hey, this is who I am, but these are also my pronouns, but not make a big deal out of it. And it's like, this is a very normal part of just introducing yourself. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, and I guess if you have a new student, when you ask their name, you could also say, what pronoun should I use for you? Yeah. And if they are confused about that, you can say, well, the, these are my pronouns and I want to make sure I use the right ones for you. Definitely. And again, is it, it's, is it okay for someone to approach someone else if they're not certain of what their pronouns are? Like, that I, I would say, I don't want to say what would I say. <laughs> is it appropriate for someone to come up to someone if they're not sure what their pronouns are and ask what pronouns do you prefer? Um, yeah, so I think in general that is appropriate. Like, if you're at the supermarket and you see someone who looks weird, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know their pronouns. But, like, if, if, um, if somebody coming to the studio and you're going to have a relationship with them, yeah. like, asking what pronouns they use, I think is, is generally respectful. Um, but making sure that that it comes across as, like, I want to refer to you accurately rather than I think you look weird, so I think I'm entitled to this information. Yes, yes. It's it's nothing that you any no one's entitled to who you are or what you are. Everyone yeah. it should come off definitely as a way of being I want to make you comfortable. I want to address you the correct way. Making it more about the other person and not yourself. Sorry. Yeah. My cat is howling outside my door. One moment. So I'm curious, though, about other aspects of pole, because there's the community, there's a studio. I'm really curious about competitions. Um, have you done any pole competitions recently? I think I saw you did some of the online stuff. Yeah, so I had signed up to do PSO Chicago, which was supposed to be in May, mm -hmm. and it ended up being virtual, I think, the first weekend in August. Oh, okay. Um, and I considered dropping out because, like, my specific situation here is um, I am in the U.S., and I'm in a state that does not have a lot of regulations in terms of, like, um, uh, COVID-19 safety. Oh, and wow. My town has a mandatory mask ordinance, but there's some exceptions, and certain, um, like, athletic facilities fall under that exception. Oh. And the studio I was going to um, chose not to have its own mandatory mask policy, and I have some, uh, I'm in some higher risk categories, so I just decided that that was not going to be a place that I felt safe in. Um, oh, my God. I guess, yeah, um, just kind of indefinitely, so... Yeah, so my no one can see my face because it's a podcast, but I'm yeah. just like shocked because I'm in Canada and we have finally a mask mandate. But like, yeah. all of our studios have been super super safe over here. Like requiring like I just I cannot fathom going into a studio without a mask during these times. Like, yeah, it just blows my mind. <laughs> hey, please continue. <laughs> yeah, so like I um. I, I did talk to the owner about it, and she explained to me her reasoning, and I said, okay, um, I understand that it's a personal choice for everyone to attend or not attend under these um, strange times, and I am not going to, and I was in a living situation at the time where I couldn't get a poll, so at the time the competition happened, I was like, okay, I could drop out, or I could do something, and I wanted to do something, because yeah. I'd already signed up, and I'd been looking forward to it, um, and so what I ultimately did is I entered the edited videos category because at that time I'd been doing digital drag for a few months. So I had like not very good editing skills, but some rudimentary editing skills. Yeah. Um, and so I, I had one of my friends film me doing like whatever moves I could think of on a playground nearby. <laughs> so they had like, like the monkey bars had like an upright pole and I was like, this is too small and too skinny, but I will do what I can. And then I did some like, other things on the playground and then I um like filmed myself just doing some like contortion moves at my house and um I, I did the whole thing in drag and then I edited it together and I was like we'll see what the judges make of this nice <laughs> nice and, yeah so it was like definitely a very very different experience than um competing at a normal competition like in person with the normal categories would have been like but mm -hmm. it was fun and I'm glad I did it and I would definitely love to do another one either as sort of a, a virtual edited video or hopefully someday in person 
Yeah, no, I honestly I'm missing the in person competition so so much. How yeah, they seem like a lot of fun. They they're tons of fun. Um, how did you do for the online competition? Where'd you place? How'd you place? Um, so there were uh, two submissions for the category that I was in, and I got second. Okay. Um, and yeah, I I didn't know what to expect, and I thought it was really cool that we got feedback from the judges. Um, I think they didn't really know what to make of me, <laughs> and I got very mixed comments, and um, I think. I think one of the comments was like, I kind of only did like one move at a time because there was so much editing and I think they would have liked to see sort of more transitions, um, more pointed toes. One of them said I looked bored. Oh, <laughs> um, no. And so like that was all valid feedback and there's definitely things that I would do differently. So I was my phone. Um, yeah, totally. If I did it again, because um, I had a competition routine that I was working on um, in like March before things got locked down, mm-hmm. and I was excited to do that. And I ended up doing a completely different song, a completely different concept. So I'm like, I want to save this song and this concept for when I can like actually be on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to do that at some point. Um, and then something that I've done that isn't actually a competition, but I've continued doing digital drag. And after I moved, I got a poll. And so I tried to incorporate some of that into my digital drag. And yeah. that's really interesting because most people who are watching the shows, like, have no knowledge of pole. And they're like, oh, my God, you're upside down. That's so cool. Right. <laughs> like, I think my form is terrible here, but I'm glad you think it's cool. Um, I know pole dancing for normal people is so different than pole dancing for pole dancers. Yeah, like. You can do the easiest trick in the world, and everyone's like, oh my god, my mind is blown. But, like, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So the thing I wanted to touch on with competitions is I know what I love about competitions is, you know, they, the categories, they include everyone, which is great. But when it comes down to, I don't know how far you've looked into competitions, but when you get to the scene, like the highest level of championships, so like the level five championship, they then divide the women and the men. Yeah. What are your thoughts and opinions on that? Um, I did know that because I did like pretty much right when I started pole dancing, I was just like, is there anyone else like me who does this? And I did some Googling. I actually only found one person at that time who wrote about being like a non-binary pole dancer. And I think they have not competed in level five. So it just, and I I read the PSO rules, which said that um, for any of the lower levels, you can sort of compete as your affirmed gender. So the gender you identify with, um, regardless of medical transition status or anything but for level five I think you had to be like medically transitioning for a year um I could be wrong about that to compete in um Mm -hmm. your gender category which I think is it's kind of in line with some other guidelines um for uh transgender athletes and I wish I had like a definitive answer on this because this is a question that comes up in a lot of different types of athletics like yeah how should we sort of categorize trans people and for binary trans people so transgender men and transgender women it seems like the pretty obvious answer is you should let them compete as their gender Mm -hmm. um but for non-binary people um it's a more complicated answer because i i don't necessarily think having a non-binary category would solve the problem um for something like pole sport where that might end up being kind of othering if there is only one or zero people who would want to compete in that category right and but it's also doesn't work for everyone to say okay well you can pick to compete with men or compete with women if if you're not actually either one of those so mm-hmm. yeah i don't really know what the answer to that is um and some people think that you just shouldn't have gender categories. Like, everyone should be able to compete against each other at every level. And um, for something like pole sport, I think that might be a viable option because it's not just based on things like um, like sheer strength or sheer speed. It's based on basically how do you put together the performance and what types of elements right. are in it. So having a certain um, type of body wouldn't necessarily put you at an advantage and I'm not going to go into this but um 
the 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 history of trying to figure out what for athletic purposes counts as a woman is like a fascinating and upsetting story like going oh. back to the 1960s where they were like okay we're just gonna look at people's genitals that's offensive let's look at people's chromosomes oh wait <laughs> there's chromosomal variations okay let's just test testosterone levels oh no like cis men and cis women fully overlap what do we do so there's no good way to like physically differentiate yeah. um, male versus female athletes so I think like letting people choose their category is definitely better than saying you have to if your body is XYZ. But yeah, I think it is more complicated for non-binary athletes. I would agree. And I think that when it comes to PSO specifically, I mean, all of the, because it's really only the level five championship yeah. that gets divided and all the other championship levels is mixed gender, what, what have you, like everyone's yeah. included. And I think if, the level five championship, if they just mush everyone into one category and get rid of that divide. Uh, I was talking to someone earlier or in the earlier episode about the Olympics and pole is yeah. if they adopt a system similar to that, where if you're going to be competing level five championship, you have to have X number of flexi moves, X number of strength moves, and it's all about your technique. It kind of evens the playing field out in terms of yeah. it really won't matter what body you have it'll matter more about your technique and are you a well-balanced pole dancer because at the end of the day like that's what the championship level is all about like are you a very are you a technical well-balanced pole dancer which you can apply to all genders yeah and all bodies <laughs> yeah i um I'm definitely not as knowledgeable about how judging works as um, you are. And as I, I did listen to that episode, I thought it was super interesting how sort of technical all of that became, like breaking down which move counts as what and like if a variation counts as a move or not. Yeah. But I, I do think that that could be a solution. And I guess I would be curious to hear from like other more experienced competitors what they thought about that too. Oh, definitely. I think, yeah, I mean, if anything, I think pole is a strong contender to contender to really being at the forefront of finding a solution for yeah. people of all bodies and all genders I think because it's such a great sport for that that anyone can do it pulls for anyone which is that's yeah, what I love about absolutely. it <laughs> have you found any other still talking on the issue of pain points and things that the community mm -hmm. can improve on uh, we've touched on the studios, we've touched on the competition setting. Is there anything in the social media aspect that that we can improve on as a community? Um, so I guess the first thing that comes to mind is relevant sort of both in studio settings and on social media. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciated that um, you had an episode about um, like pole and mental health, and I don't remember the name of the person on it, but she was awesome and one of the things that came up is like what does a pole body look like yes. and I think there's like so I guess compared to like I was on a high school swim team and sort of the amount of body shaming that happened in that setting was just like so upsetting mm -hmm. and um like compared to that being in the pole studio was a lot it was a much more body positive space but there's still comments that people make about things like oh no, it's been so long since I've had a bikini wax or like I haven't shaved my legs in X number of days. And I remember I, I came into class one day and we were doing like a partner strengthening exercise where like one person would lie down and hold the other person's ankles and like they would throw their legs down as like an ab exercise. Oh, yeah, yeah. And my partner looked at me and was like, I was about to apologize for not having shaved my legs. And then I remembered, oh, it's Sam. Um, and I was like, yeah, I haven't shaved my legs since 2015. <laughs> um, just sort of the idea that, like, um, it's appropriate to sort of self-shame about having body hair can be sort of off-putting for, um, I guess, people who choose not to shave for, I guess, either reasons of gender or just reasons of preference. Um, yeah. And I guess it's, it's complicated because I in no way want to sort of, like, discount the connection between pole and sex work um mm -hmm. and how there are certain expectations a lot of times in sex work about things like grooming and um so I don't want to show up as like a, a civilian and, and make comments that are invalidating to that experience but in, just in terms of like 
what it means to, um, I guess, have sort of an acceptable body based on gender or based on um, grooming standards is something that I've encountered that's just been, like, when when people are making comments about that and then I'm like, over here, I'm an extraordinarily hairy person. It's like, if you think X, Y, Z about you not having shaved is gross, then like, how do you feel about being in the studio with me or having to spot me? Like, is touching my body gross to you? Um, and I guess I don't know if it would feel the same or different if I was a cisgender man, because it's sort of acceptable that cisgender men have a certain amount of body hair. And I know that some men in full shave and some don't. Um, and I think different people have different opinions about like knee grip and leg hair and stuff. And like, if that's a positive or a negative, yeah. but just sort of the idea that like body hair is gross or body hair on non-men is gross or it's something that you should be ashamed of has been something that, um, I, I wish there was sort of more, um, more thoughtfulness about because yeah, like, I, I don't, yeah, just like growing up, it was, I, I never saw any examples of like, um, women or femme presenting people with body hair ever. And so it was something that I felt a lot of shame about until I did a lot of personal work to be like, do I want to be spending all of this time shaving my body? No, absolutely not. Um, and if other people do that personal work and they're like, you know what? I do like shaving my body. Like I'm super happy for them, but sort of assuming that everyone has to do that and it's bad if people don't, I think is, um, something that can be like a factor in inclusivity. Definitely. And thank you for bringing something up like that of, of that point because sometimes we don't realize when we're in a studio setting when we're self-shaming ourselves how that comment about your own body can make someone else uncomfortable there's a difference between having a conversation that's personal with your friend and talking about your insecurities versus being in this big open setting and being like oh my god i haven't done this and you don't know how you're going to make someone else feel in that setting when you do that and we all slip up, we all have mistakes, but I think it's really recognizing those mistakes and working on fixing those. And, you know, it's part of the human experience. We have to continuously try and make ourselves better to help other people out and to include other people in that space. And hair is hair. Like, it's just a dead protein on your yeah. body. Like, who cares? <laughs> I actually just had this conversation, um, uh, an episode's coming out about alopecia. Yeah. And say the exact same thing. Hair is just a dead protein on your body. Who cares? Like, if you have it or not, you do you. <laughs> like, it's yeah. fine. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, especially, um, I, yeah, I guess so, so my experience of doing pole, like, I, I think I relate to it more as, like, an athletic activity. I don't really, um, connect to it in, um, I, I guess I, I don't really feel sexy doing it and that's not something I want to bring into my performance, but I think just sort of in the way that we view those types of performances, thinking about like maybe expanding our definition of what can be sexy and yes. what can be like, like accepted as, wow, this person is communicating something about their sexuality and if their body doesn't look like our definition of sexy, that shouldn't be invalidated. Yes, 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 100% to that. Sexy can be, on your own terms, what you think it is, and we should definitely expand on what we think is sexy is instead of this contrived thing that society has created that's, oh, I get so passionate about it because I hate it, and I think that the patriarchy sucks and it needs to go down and we need to stop having these conventional images of people. Everything and anything can be sexy. Plus size bodies can be sexy. Non-hairy bodies, hairy bodies, non-binary bodies. Like, all the bodies can be sexy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, all right, we've touched on the pain points and all those things. Now let's move into a more positive side of it. What have been some of the nice things or, like, the really positive things that you've experienced in your pole journey um, I've had a lot of really positive experiences. Yeah. I, I really loved it from the beginning. Like, um, I guess the first class I, our, st uh, the studio I went to starts on spin pole, which I know not everyone does, mm -hmm. but, um, it was cool that I, I walked in and I was like, oh, there's things I can actually do on the first day rather than just experiencing like complete failure at the beginning. Like that was cool. That, that definitely was like, oh. I can do this and then I see these other people doing this slightly more advanced thing and I want to learn how to do that yeah. and 
so that that was really encouraging and um like every everybody all my classmates and instructors that were really positive and supportive and encouraging and we get so excited when you could do something and that was a really cool feeling um and I guess I I had I've done sports my whole life but this was the first time I'd like started a sport I'd never done before as an adult and it sort of became my community and that was really lovely and it was also completely separate from like most of the communities that I exist in like with my job and with the queer community and I wasn't sure like am I going to be accepted and I I didn't always feel 100% understood but I did feel very much accepted and supported and that was really cool oh that's so great to hear that that's a really good first step I mean for the whole community I just realized what I said that's a really good thing to have when you go into a studio (laughs) yeah definitely I yeah I felt very um very lucky in that respect um and something that has been like good and bad is like I guess so I started poll in um June of 2019 Mm -hmm. and then the pandemic (laughs) happened and and things sort of got locked down here in March and at that point I, I I was in the, our studio only has three levels of classes, and I was in the advanced level, and I felt like I was learning new stuff every time, and um, I'd had a couple injuries, but I sort of felt like I, I know what I'm doing, um, like, I can, somebody can tell me how to do a move, and I can figure out how to do it, and then connect it to moves I already know how to do, and I'm getting stronger, and I'm getting more flexible, and yes. that felt really, really cool, um, and then it was really frustrating to have to step away for five months and, and not um, get to to be on a pole at all until I got my own. And then um, it's been really fun to have a home pole, but I also felt like I'm, I'm semi-starting over. Yeah. And um, I guess after having those injuries and also being kind of, I wouldn't say scared, but cautious, like there's some things that I could do before that I just refuse to do without a spot. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to getting to someday be able to be back in a studio and, and get a spot, um, on some tricks that like, I think I could do, but I'm just like scared to fall and not be caught. Yeah. Safety um, first, safety, safety, yeah. safety first. No, no hurting yourself or any of that. Like honestly having a spot, if it makes you comfortable, so important. Can't drive that point hard enough home. I did that. I regretted it. Bad idea. Always have yeah. a spot if you're not sure. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um, Has there been anything but, really positive in the online community? Yeah, so I, I've i had um, some really cool stuff has happened from the online community, and I was very grateful that I was sort of already in, con- in connection with some of these people when the pandemic started, because I guess I, I didn't really post any poll stuff on Instagram at all at that point. I, I was sort of very new to Instagram and only posting drag stuff, but I followed a lot of pole dancers and there were some different people who was skills I really admired, like different poles, dancers and aerialists who were teaching virtual classes and not all of them required a pole. So I got to take like handstand classes from um, Meg, who is, I think, the, the current like PSO professional um, nice. champion for 2020. And um, she's like super talented. And I was really excited to take some classes from her. And there's like a contortionist and aerialist named Cheryl Birch and I got to take some classes from her Ooh. and um the person who I've taken the most classes from is uh, Dan Rosen yeah doing flexibility classes pretty early on and also doing pole classes but I didn't have a pole at the time when I've taken two of his pole classes and like they're too hard for me but <laughs> it's it's a fun challenge um and so getting the opportunity to learn from these people who I really admired and looked up to was awesome and just sort of like meeting other people through that and like getting to actually work on flexibility because I I, th- I think I came in with more flexibility than most people just because one I'm sort of genetically lucky in that way and two I had been a gymnast for a long time but mm. I hadn't really focused on it as I was training at the studio like we had a class once a week and sometimes we would stretch before class but it wasn't the same level of like we were only going to think about splits for an hour and your legs are just gonna be destroyed at the oh, end oh my god um, so like <laughs> Yeah, I've I've definitely like lost some of my skills and some of my strength during this time, but my splits are much better, which which is nice. That's um, that's funny you say that because I I feel very similarly. I've lost yeah. certain things, but my splits they're coming along nicely. 
Yeah, and um, taking the ritual classes with Dan was really interesting because I kept showing up week after week, and he figured out who I was. Oh, nice. And um, he thought that I was a guy, um, and I was like, okay, this is interesting. He also thought I was in the UK for a while because one time I had to leave a class early because I had a meeting, and I was like, yeah, it's it's 2.30 central time, and he's like, oh, I, I thought you were here. Um, uh-huh. Okay. Um, that's interesting, and I... I didn't really care, and then he had a friend um, named Paris um, do two IG lives with him about um, uh, trans stuff and trans inclusivity, mm-hmm. which I thought was super awesome, and I hadn't heard of Paris before, but I think they're doing really good work, and I watched the lives, and I commented a lot, and afterwards, Dan messaged me and was like, hey, you seem very knowledgeable about this like can you tell me more about your experience and am I using the right pronouns for you and then we had a conversation about that which was pretty cool um and I really appreciated his willingness to learn about that and that's like a connection I never would have made without this sort of um I guess the increase in virtual things but also already like having those connections sort of from Instagram oh that's so cool I I love hearing that, that that's happened and that you've had that experience. Like, that just sounds so wonderfully positive. And I'm so glad that Dan reached out to you to talk to you more about that. I think that's really great. And, like, again, you reached out to me to talk about this. And, like, thank you so much for reaching out to me to talk about this. Because I think it's so important that, you know, we do talk about these topics that aren't talked about a lot, but are very, very important to the community as a whole. Yeah, I really appreciate you being willing to have these conversations and I think that part of the reason why I wanted to um talk to you is it was only like three weeks ago there's a um stripper in the UK I think her name is Ava Hennessy and she posted on one of her Instagram stories um I think somebody had asked her like what are some uh trans and non-binary pole dancers and she didn't know of very many so she put it as a question and I got tagged in it and then I looked at who else was tagged and then I looked up some hashtags and I found like 10 other trans and non-binary pole dancers and I'd only known of two before that. Um, and so that was really cool. And then somebody else who I followed on Instagram, like private messaged me and was like, Hey, I, this is something that I'd done when I was more femme presenting, but I didn't think it would fit with my gender now, but seeing what you're doing has really made me feel like it's something that I can be part of. And that was super touching. And, oh, nice. um, so I, I guess I sort of wanted to, I don't know. I guess I would have loved to hear about other people who had sort of a similar um, identity to me and what it meant to them to be involved with this sport and in these communities um, when I was starting. And finding other people even a year and a half into it has still been really cool. Oh, I love that. I mean, when this episode gets released, I'll definitely have to have one of those Instagram stories where we ask people who their favorite trans and non-binary pole dancers are and, like, list them out so people can follow them. Because, I, I, yeah, I think that's so important that we share their stories, share their voices so that other people can see and find them. And maybe, maybe there's a person out there who's like, I want to try pole dancing, but I'm not so sure. And they just get that little nudge and they go, yeah, there's someone like me out there doing it. I can do it too. All right. Was there anything else that you wanted to add or say about the, about the topic of uh, trans bodies and non-binary bodies in the pole world? Yeah, there's just a few other things, and I probably already said this, but I just want to reiterate that like trans bodies and non-binary bodies look all kinds of different ways, and um, I can't speak for other people's experiences. Like I, I have done a lot of trans advocacy work, so I know to some extent what other people might experience, but I don't. But um, I can't represent them as well as they can represent themselves. Um, but some things that are are generally important, like um, something that's actually gotten a lot of political attention is the idea of bathrooms and like bathroom accessibility mm-hmm. for trans people. So um, the the studio that I'd been going to pre-pandemic was pretty small and they only had one bathroom that was open to everyone, so that wasn't an issue. But mm-hmm. um, having non-gendered bathrooms is really helpful especially for a lot of non-binary people who might not be able to safely use a gendered bathroom and when there are gendered bathrooms making it clear that um people have the right to use the bathroom that they feel most comfortable in and and not sort of enforcing these ideas if you have to use the bathroom based on the genitals that your doctor thought you had when you were born um, yeah like what is this idea of people so obsessed with who's in what bathroom like you're behind a closed door or whatever and like 
it, you're going to the bathroom. Like, it's such a basic human function. Yeah, definitely. I think it was originally um, invented by certain politicians to try and paint trans people as the enemy, like, not based on anything that had actually happened, but it's gotten into a lot of people's consciousness, maybe without a lot of understanding. Um, but, yeah, if, if you see somebody in a bathroom who doesn't look the way that you think somebody of the way that bathroom is gendered should necessarily look, if they're minding their own business, then you should also mind your own business. Um, just as somebody using the bathroom, but in terms of things like pole studios and pole competitions, um, if you're somebody who has any say in how the bathrooms are going to be labeled, or even if you have an event at a venue where the bathrooms aren't inclusive, but you have the opportunity to put like a paper sign over their sign and say like, this is an all gender bathroom um, for the duration of this event, like that can be really helpful. Totally, totally. Yeah, bathrooms are so important. I agree, 100%. Awesome. Um, and something else that I haven't experienced but I know has been an issue for some people is that some pole studios are women only. Like, mm -hmm. um, the one I went to wasn't. I don't know how common that is, but I know that some places might either be, like, the studio's women only or certain classes might be women only, and I think that um, it's awesome to have women's spaces, but... Um, I think it's really important that these spaces are, or these classes or these studios are inclusive of transgender women. Yes. Um, because they are... They are women. Just as, yeah, they are also <laughs> women. And um, sometimes people don't know whether or not to include non-binary people in women's spaces. And I think this is kind of complicated because um, it sort of depends on what the purpose of the space is. Because if you want to have, say, a pole class that is for people who experience misogyny and might not feel safe um, with cisgender men there, you can say that this is a class for trans people, non-binary people, and women. Mm -hmm. um, and that includes non-binary people who were assigned male at birth who can also experience misogyny. Yes. Um, but if, if you want to have a, a space or an event that is really about women, then you can make it clear that it's a space for women, including trans women. And if you are both non-binary and a woman, then that's fine. But if you're not a woman, you don't identify as a woman, then it is respectfully not the space for you. And I think if that's communicated in a way that's clearly been thought through, um, then that's still inclusive. Definitely. Yeah. And it, I think I'm glad that you brought that up, too, because it is a very interesting and finicky point, I find, as well, with trying to have those spaces because we also do want safe spaces for women but you also want to be inclusive of people who identify as women and then you again like you mentioned there's also the non-binary spectrum as well and you want to be inclusive of them as well and not deny that they might experience misogyny as well or they do experience misogyny in their own way yeah definitely and i i try not to use identify as ever like if, mm -hmm. if you identify as a woman you are a woman yeah, um, yeah, yeah, you, uh, you, thank you for the correction, yeah, you are a woman. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and because I, I think a few years ago, people were sort of using that language a lot, like people who identify as women, people who identify as men, and I think the consensus in the trans community at this point is, um, if you say something like women and people who identify as women, it's kind of confusing, who, who is it that identifies as a woman but is not a woman? Um, yeah, yeah. I think it's just extra words. Exactly, it's unnecessary extra words, totally. Um, and something that's kind of similar to that, that's just sort of related to language, is I know, like, last year on Valentine's Day, which was also in the before times, like, the, um, the studio I went to had, like, a, a couples class for Valentine's Day, mm -hmm. and which I think is awesome, but I think it's great to use language like couples class or partners class rather than, like, boyfriend class, like, yeah. assuming that everybody at the studio is a woman with a boyfriend. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and how those things can be gendered and can sort of be based on assumptions about bodies in different ways. Mm -hmm. And, um, like, I know for competitions, there's rules about, like, your costume has to cover X, Y, Z. And um, I had a conversation with the, um, the instructor at my studio who was a PSO unicorn about that, and I was like, I know that it says that if you have breasts, you have to wear a top that covers as much of your chest as, like, a, a normal bra, but I don't really, um, 
that's not how I want to dress when I'm performing. There's a product called Trans Tape that you can use for binding that would cover the same amount of skin, mm-hmm. but it clearly is um, not a bra, and it, it gives the appearance of having a bare chest, but without nipples. Um, would that be okay? And she was like, I don't know. I, should, I need to ask PSO. Can you send me a picture of what it would look like? So I sent her a picture, and she communicated with them, and they said it was fine, and I, I appreciated that they were able to do that communication and um, accommodate that, which I thought was really cool. Nice. I did not get to do that performance because of the pandemic, but knowing that like um, I would be allowed to do that was was awesome. Yeah, that's super awesome, and I think more pole competitions should be inclusive of that as well, and allowing that freedom. I mean, also there's a whole argument around breasts and nipples, and yeah, no, like it's just another fight that is like oh my god (laughs) yeah yeah definitely i again like right before lockdown i hosted a drag show for the first time and we were in um a community center at um the local university and because i was hosting i got to make the rules and i said because we don't have an adult entertainment license nobody gets to have their nipples out i don't care like what kind of chest you have (laughs) equality no nipples yes Um, and yeah like i I think censorship of certain kinds of bodies is is generally an issue. Oh yeah, um, both on Instagram and off Instagram. But I guess within certain constraints, I think there's more ways to be um, more inclusive of like just thinking about if certain people have what appear to be the same body parts, they might relate to them differently. And yes. being told that like you have to censor your body or clothe or unclothe your body in this way based on what we think your gender is um, is not the most inclusive. And I. I follow some, like, um, people who I believe are cisgender men on Instagram who do pole dance, and they're always wearing a crop top, um, even <laughs> though they do not do not by law have to censor their chests, and I think that's super cool. Um, yeah. So, yeah, just being open to that, and I guess, um, I guess studios sometimes have dress codes, but I think that's maybe more of a thing in competition, because sometimes, like, you're judged on your costume, and um, based on, like, if you're aesthetic goes with your performance and stuff and so yeah yeah I, I guess for, for people who get to do things like that sort of keeping that in mind like maybe this doesn't look like a fancy costume but if it's trying to tell a story about something related to gender then maybe that's very appropriate yeah yeah I, I agree with that awesome and I just have one more thing which definitely fits in with your sort of um I guess theme with a bunch of these episodes on like different types of pole bodies Mm-hmm. Um, is sort of, and this is true for both people who are trans and non-binary and people who are not trans and non-binary, but I think it shows up in specific ways for um, this community is that people's bodies change all the time. And yes. if somebody's body changes quickly or dramatically while they're doing pole, that might change what movements they can do or whether cer- certain things feel better or worse. And um, for... Um, many trans and non-binary people will uh, undergo hormone replacement therapy mm-hmm. and that can dramatically affect your body um, for some people it happens faster than others but for a lot of people taking testosterone that will change the amount that they're sweating especially at the beginning mm-hmm. that will change the amount of body odor they have that will change the amount of body hair they have for many people they find it easier to build muscle um, but it, it can also change your um your fat distribution, which can change your center of gravity. So yes. all of those things can affect pole. And for people who are taking um, feminizing hormones, which is usually like estrogen and androgen blocker, um, like you can still build muscle and be strong on that type of hormone replacement therapy. But a lot of people do lose muscle mm-hmm. or just feel things changing. And um, some uh, people on that hormone regime end up with less testosterone than the average cisgender woman, so it can be harder for them to sort of maintain strength and endurance. Um, and if there's somebody who's, I guess, been doing pole for a while and they start doing that, then that could really affect what things that they can do and sort of how they relate to different types of movements. Um, and so I guess, yeah, just... I guess if, if you're an instructor or if you're somebody who has a, a pole classmate who's undergoing those things, you might not necessarily know for sure if they don't want to disclose, but I guess if they do disclose, like, being super supportive of, like, I'm so excited that you are doing this affirming thing for yourself and just being aware that that might affect um, how they participate in this 
type of movements and um i guess that just plays into more generally like if somebody's body is changing however just being accommodating of that and focusing on like okay how can we make this work for you rather than blaming the person or being suspicious of it yeah yes 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 never be suspicious of someone's body changing for any reason, whether it's, yeah, that's weight absolutely. loss, weight gain, if it's on horm- they're on hormones, it, you know, surgery, whatever the reason is, I think when you comment on someone's body, that's that's not appropriate. Uh, I mean, it really, yeah, no, it's 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 just not appropriate. Like, really, I would try to avoid commenting on changes on someone's body because again, you don't know who some what someone's going through, what like what's going on in their life. But really trying to focus on the positives, what their body can do uh, physically, not on the physical traits, but strength-wise, yeah. mobility-wise. Like, hey, you're more flexible this class than you were last class. Or your strength has improved so much. And, like, that's really helpful. Comments like those, I feel, are more constructive than saying, like, oh, did your did your body change? Like, that's, that's just, no, that's just a no-go. Don't do that. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. All right. Was there anything else that you wanted to touch on on the topic? Because um, I think we can probably move on to the game segment pretty soon. But if there's anything else that you wanted to touch on, talk about, like, it's an important topic, and I definitely want to give you the floor and really give you a voice for whatever you would like to say or what you feel like needs to be said. Like, definitely, definitely bring it up. Yeah, for sure. I, I like made a list of things <laughs> because I'm I'm kind of type A, but um, I think we've talked about almost everything. I think the only other thing I want to mention is like um, it's probably obvious from like my Instagram handle and stuff, but I'm a drag performer, and that's something I've been doing about twice as long as I've been pole dancing. I started in 2017, and I think I would have felt a lot less comfortable um, showing up to pole and like I don't know being in my underwear and like doing all these things if I hadn't had that experience because um that's been like one of the biggest things that's made me sort of more comfortable with my gender and my body and how I sort of perform my gender to other people because like obviously I'm not in drag all the time but I do sort of view gender as it's always some kind of performance and sometimes it's more of an authentic one and sometimes it's more sort of a fantasiful one and so I think yeah that also sort of made me relate to my body in ways that um, were really useful for pole because there's lots of different ways to do drag. And when I started, I felt like I've seen some amazing drag kings, but I've never seen anyone who sort of uses their physicality the way that I think I could. Mm-hmm. And so it just, I don't know, like I wasn't doing anything super fancy, but just like doing splits or doing cartwheels or different things that people weren't expecting from um, a king performer was something that I really enjoyed doing. It was sort of like my brand. Um, mm-hmm. And then so, like, there were a few times with pole where I was asked to do something where I'm like, this really doesn't feel like me. This feels like sort of a very, like, femme sexy thing. And I feel like it's going to look ridiculous if I do it. And I'm like, well, how can I perform it in a way that feels like either authentic to me or to my character? Um, and how can I sort of um, incorporate this into my my drag persona or ring pole into that and how can they sort of, um, I don't know, strengthen each other. And so I, when I was going to do the competition, I, I was, um, hoping to do it like as a drag performer yes. and other people do that type of thing, which is really cool. And, um, that was interesting because I remember the first time we had a rehearsal of our performance numbers, I was like, oh, I'm a performer. I can do this. And then when the music went on, I just freaked out. I'm like, how do I use these poles? And I like got on spin pole and I just did a chopper and I was spinning so fast. I thought I was going to die and I couldn't do anything else. I'm like, oh my God, I felt like, like when I, most of my drag is pretty much improvised and you like interact with the audience and stuff. Um, so mm-hmm. I have a few ideas of like, I want to do a cartwheel during this part of the song. And, like, this is the part of the song where I'm going to take tips and, like, I'll take my shirt off here. But it's, like, the, the sort of performance anxiety. Um, I've learned if I try and have really, really scripted choreography, I just forget it. So not trying to do that is helpful. And I was, like, I have that same anxiety with a pole performance, even if it's just in front of the other people at my studio. But I actually need to have choreography. So that's going to be a very different approach. It's probably going to take a lot more practice. So, um, yeah, I, mean, I think it's a really helpful process for me, and I'm 
hopefully going to get to do it someday again and then actually perform it. Yeah, I would love to see that when that comes out. I hope that you get a recording of it so that we can all see it. But I, yeah, I totally absolutely. relate to you in terms of, like, different styles of performing and, like, forgetting. I'm a, I have a musical theater background. Yeah. And when I pole dance and I do competitions, like, I need a very, very strict, rigid choreography or else yeah. I'm, I'm going to die on stage. But... I can't improvise pole for the life of me. I just, I think that's such a crazy skill to have. I'm like, as soon as I get on stage and if I'm freestyling, I'm like, what am I doing? How do I, how do I invert? What is a pirouette? I don't know. It's just, yeah, no, I I totally get where you're coming from. Like, but sometimes improvisation can like really help. Like I record these podcasts as like an improv, improvised sort of thing, but that just works for me. Um, oh, so cool. Well, thank you so, so much again for coming onto the show and sharing your story and really telling us what the pole community can do to help it become a more inclusive space. Because at the end of the day, like, really, like, we really should be striving towards a more inclusive space and helping lift each other up. Like, we are only on this earth for so long. Like, why fight and why pull each other apart when we can come together? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Do you want to play a game? Yes. Yay! Okay, so we're going to be playing Guess the Poll Move, and what I'll be doing is sending you, is Instagram okay? Yeah. Okay, so I'll send to you via Instagram a photo of a move. I'll mute myself so you can't hear me, but I can still hear you. I'll tell the audience what the trick is called, and then you'll have to guess what it's called, but also describe what it looks like. Okay, sounds good. All right, I will be right back. And mute. All right, friends. So the trick that I am sending Sir Manther is a Cooper split. Again, that's a Cooper split. If you want to look that up on Instagram, that's hashtag PD Cooper split. All right, I sent you the trick. Okay. What does it I'm look like? I'm looking at the trick. <laughs> Okay, so I should describe it? Yeah, go ahead, describe it. What does it look like? What are you seeing? Okay, so, um, it looks like a Picasso, but, um, (laughs) okay, so this person is inverted, and, um, they are in an elbow grip with their left arm and a knee hook with their right leg, and then their left leg is straight, and their right arm is bent and um, grabbing their left leg. And I can't tell if they have, like, sort of a, um, like, tension on the pole with their um, right forearm. All right. What, what do you think it's called? I do not know. Um, what would you call it? There's no wrong answers. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, well, I'm going to make something up, and I want it to be, <laughs> I want it to be um, evocative of what this feels like. Um, I don't know. I think I would call it, like, a puzzle piece, because I, I feel like their body is like a puzzle that you have to sort of piece together. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, well, what the trick is actually called is a cooper split okay don't know why because pole moves have weird names yeah but absolutely. that's what i love about it it's a cooper split and uh this is actually a photo of one of my instructors which is funny enough but uh she posted this not too long ago and i was like oh that would be a good one that would be a good one <laughs> yeah i have never seen this before um it's very cool yes i gotta try that out it looks achievable yeah it's like not a full split yes Um, yes and that's important because i i can't do a true split it's always just a fake one so anything where i can fake it till i make it i'm happy (laughs) yeah i realized that like after i spent an hour 
in splits class like I have a split for like another 45 minutes so I've been trying to like work on all my jades right after that while I actually can do it yeah because the rest of the time it's like yeah no (laughs) yeah no I feel you like honestly all the time now when I warm up I used to do like a really quick cardio warm-up but now I do nice slow steady stretching to elongate all my muscles and then I'm ready to pull (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely I don't know some of my pull instructors were like 22 and didn't need to warm up and I'm like I I am too old and have had too many injuries like I always need to warm up uh yeah I feel you I feel you (laughs) well where can we find you on Instagram if we're not all deleted by the time this episode comes out um you can find me at drag underscore king underscore sir underscore manther um Sir Manther was already taken when I got on Instagram so it's kind of an unwieldy handle but I guess you know who I am and what I am Yes, and before I let you go, what are you? I'm a pole dancer. Heck yes!